Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. We're going to continue our study in Romans this morning. We're going to uh, be looking at the first seven verses of Romans chapter 13. last couple of weeks, uh, we were in Romans chapter 12 and um, began a new section of the book of, of, of Romans where Paul begins to instruct the church members there in Rome on how to live a life of right, righteousness uh, within the body of Christ and also within their communities. Um, he told them in those verses that we looked at the last two weeks, not to be conformed to the world, to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. And he talked about them being members of the body and each member having a different function. And then he began to talk about things like don't uh, let hypocrisy get in the way of your love, but love truly and abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Give preference to one another. He said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And it just got harder and harder. Don't pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Be at peace with all men if possible. Never take out your revenge. Then he says to feed your enemy if he's hungry. Give him something to drink if he's thirsty. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Those are some of the things that we looked at the last couple of weeks. And then he, in what is our chapter 13, he goes on with these, these, these principles and how uh, he was instructing these believers to live, and he brings up the subject of governing authorities. Well, why in the world would he do that? What would be, ne be, be necessary for that? I'm going to take just a minute and share with you a little bit about what was going on in their lives, in their culture at that time. And I want to try to relate that a little bit to our time and our culture. I believe that the, 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 one of the reasons that Paul brought that up was because by the time Paul writes this letter, um, it's in the late 50s AD, and Paul is probably in Cor Corinth. He's probably toward the end of the last of his three missionary trips that he's going to make uh, before he goes back to Jerusalem. And um, at, by, by, that, by that time, many things had take, taken place in the first 20 years or so, first 25 years of the church, church's existence. A man by the name of Claudius had become the emperor in 40, 41 AD and was the emperor until 54 and during his reign in the early 40s, there was a famine that had, co co that had, had covered almost the entire uh, Roman em Empire. And so there was an economic challenge that these pe 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 people had just to survive. And then after that, we find in Acts chapter 18, verse 2, that all the Jews were expelled from Rome during that, that time, around 49 A.D. And so th this was not ne necessarily the church, 
but the Jews had been spread out all throughout the Roman Empire, and Claudius didn't like them being, didn't like them and didn't like their religion being in Rome, so he ran, ran them all out. Then in Galilee, in the late 40s AD, there were two brothers by the name of Jacob and Simon, and uh, they started a revolt. They didn't like the Romans being in charge, so they start, started a, a conflict in Galilee. It took a couple of years for the Romans to get them uh, under control. And all during this time, as the church was growing and spread, spreading out, they were running in, the, 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 the followers of Jesus Christ were running into troubles because they were believing in a God who they said was the only true God, yet the culture that most of them lived in, there were multiple gods. And the Romans would let you, if they took over your country, took over your region, they would let you worship your God if you would just be peaceful. But they had their own gods. And this is one of the reasons why the emperors didn't like Christians and didn't like the Jews is because neither of those groups would take part in the festivals when they celebrated the gods that the Romans were, were worshipped. So from Europe all the way into the Mid Middle East, there were these conflicts going on, and they started back in the 40s. By the time Paul writes this letter to the Romans, Nero is now in power. He'd been in power for two or three years by that time that Paul writes the letter. And from the very beginning, Nero didn't like, like these people. Um, we know that, that in 60 AD, around there, Paul ends up uh, going to Rome to appeal to, see, to, 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 to the Caesar, who was Nero. And he was under house arrest for a couple of years before he finally got his audience with, with Nero, and then he was re released for, for a time. In 64 AD, uh, Peter writes his first le letter to five regions in Turkey, and uh, we have that as, our, as First Peter. About the same time, in the same year, Paul writes his first letter to Timothy, who is in Ephesus. And uh, Paul only has two or three years left to, to, to live. He's been, he's been free for a few years now and is continuing his ministry, but he writes his first letter that we have called First Timothy. Also that same year, around that same time, there's a large urban fire that breaks out in Rome and burns a large part of the city. And then about that same time, there is a, a, a Jew, Judean procurator by the name of Gessius Florus, and he is uh, there in Jerusalem, and he doesn't like the Jews. He doesn't like his post he's been given. And so for a couple of years, he starts stealing money from the temple treasury and starts killing the Jews there in, in Jerusalem. But nobody in Rome wants to mess with that because they've had so many prop, problems by that time throughout the empire. First of all, because of the power of the emperors. They caused nothing but tr trouble. 
Then you've got the Jews who had been, di- been di- dispersed and they were causing trouble. Then you had the Christians who they didn't really like their theology at all. And even though the Christians didn't cause trouble, they were troubled because they would not go along with the worship of the Romans. The Romans just didn't like them. And then, of course, we know in 66, uh, from there to 70 AD, there was the... um, the revolt that took place in, in Jerusalem and as, as a result of squelching that up, uprising over the course of four years, the te- temple was destroyed and most of Jer- Jerusalem was destroyed and many, many Jews were, were killed. So if we were to take a 20-year peri- period of time or a 25-year peri- period of time and talk about all the things that, that were going wrong that might cause one angst, no matter wh- what part of the empire they lived in and of what our, no matter what your cult, culture was like, things were going to be hard. The Roman Empire or the Republic had ended decades before. The empire was being run by these powerful autonomous emperors. The Jews were revolting. The churches in Rome and Turkey were suffering uh, different types of persecution. And so now, with that having been said, We come to Romans chapter 13. Paul felt like it was necessary to write to them. And uh, in this letter, he includes some words of of encouragement in regard to governing authorities. The way we're going to do this this morning is we're going to look at this passage in Romans. And because I don't have my whiteboard up here, I can't have my three columns up here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the the Romans passage, and then we're going to go look at a similar passage in 1 Timothy, excuse me, in 1 Peter, and then we'll finish up with a similar passage in 1 Timothy, uh, because both of these men, both Paul and and Peter, were concerned in these days for the welfare of, 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 of the church, and they knew that things were getting worse and worse, and so they wanted to give their instruction to the, the church. Um, before we start, let's thank the Lord for this time we have together. Father, we're so thankful to you that we can join together like this this morning. And Father, our uh, desire is that as we sang to you and sang about you this morning, that you were honored and glorified through our testimony and the songs. And Father, we are so thankful that you have spoken to us by your Spirit and had men write down your words that we can look at to be encouraged and to be taught and to be challenged. And Lord, we thank you that we have that opportunity this morning. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, here's what we're going to do. If you have, have your out, outline there, you see that before we get into these, ver, 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 these verses about the governing author, authorities, we want to take ju- just a minute and talk about the guide, goal, and or the uh, source, the guide, and goal of our instru- instruction this morning. So Mark, what in the world does that mean? If you go back to Romans chapter e- 11, the last three ver- ver- verses of Romans 11 read like this. For who has known the mind of the Lord, 
or who became his counselor, or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Okay, so I want us to reread verse 36, and I want us to read it this, this, this way. Listen carefully. For from him, our source, and through him, our guide, and to him, our goal, are all things. To him be the glory forever. There's no point in spending time with the subject we have this morning and the verses we have this morning if we don't view him as the source of not only what what we learn, but the source of our ability to live the way that these words instruct us to live. There's no point in going through the verses today and looking at these principles today unless we're willing to look at him as the one who guides us by the knowledge of him that that we have and by his word that that, that we have to live the way we're instructed. And there's also no point in going through all this exercise this, this morning unless we recognize him as the goal of everything we do and the way we live because someday we will be with him forever. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to recite verse 36 together. I'm going to say it, and you just repeat what I say to you, okay? Are you ready? This is our practice round because we're going to do it again in 30 minutes at the end, okay? So let's, let's pra- practice. Okay, ready? Here's what we're going to say. For from him our source, and through him our guide, And to him, our goal goal. are all things. things. To him be the glory forever. forever. Amen. Amen. Isn't that that fun? Okay. So now, now now we can go on. Let's read our first seven verses of Romans chapter 13. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists this authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, 
custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. Okay, let, let's take, take a look at a few things together here in these, ver, ver, these verses. Paul, again, Paul is encouraging these folks because they are beginning to go through difficult times. And if ever there, if, if ever there was a time when it would make sense, maybe co- common sense, that the government was making requirements that didn't make sense, and why should I obey those things... Does that sound a little bit like what we've gone through the last couple of years in our, in our country? Have, have some of you been as frustrated as I have been from time, time to time? Okay, then if you've been as frustrated as I have, then listen closely because this message is for Mark. Okay? Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Now, if we take that to be the truth and we take that to be, be the fact, then pick any government that you want to. Your local government, state government, national government. Maybe if you're from another country, the government in the country that you're, you're from. If you have relatives who live in other countries, maybe the governments where, where they, they live. What Paul was helping them to understand and what we need to understand also is even though it might not makes sense. It might be difficult to comprehend this. He says that those which exist, these governing authorities that exist, are established from God. Okay, so are established by, by God. So that should be good news for us, no matter what we sense going on around us, as he was encouraging them. There are a lot of Weird things going on around them, a lot of strange things, a lot of things that caused them heartache and there was persecutions and things were going to get worse. But for Paul to make that that statement, that's why I said we need to to believe it or don't 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 listen to it because that could be a difficult thing. For those which exist are established by God. And then he goes on, and when we, when we get over to First Peter, this next part will be a little simpler. But he says, therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. So, so what does that mean? You mean even if the authority is doing things that I don't think is right, if I oppose them, and this is an open opposition now. We're not talk, talk, talking about sitting in your living room, staring at the wall. Why did they do that? I don't understand. Why they, that's not, but this is an open opposition. Whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. From whom? From the, author, the, 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 from the authorities, but because God put them in place. For rulers are not a cause for fear, of fear for good behavior, but of evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Oh, also, let, let me make one, one, one of the little points as we look at these three passages over the next few, few minutes. When it talks about good, good deeds, good works, when it talks about evil, this is good as defined by the one who is good. God. 
okay? Not as defined by, by men. This is good as defined by God. Evil as defined by God. Now, in our laws of our land, laws of our state, laws of our, con- con- our country here in the United States, uh, we have laws on, on the books that define what is good and defines what is e- evil. So from that st- standpoint, if we break one of the laws, then we have done bad, ba- badly. If we keep the laws, then we've kept what is good according to those who have made the laws that we elected and that God put in place. Okay? But from a spirit, spiritual standpoint, if we reread these scriptures, not only does it have to do with the laws that we live under corporately in our state, in our country, but also it has to do with what God has called good and righteous, what God has called evil. Okay, so let's go on. The middle of verse 4, But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. This authority does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, now he adds another thing, but also for conscience sake. So not only do we obey, obey the laws and whatever the governing, author- the governing authorities put in place as far as law goes, do we obey, obey those things, not just because we could be punished if we did disobey, but also because we have a conscience as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's our number one thing. What do we do based on the spirit who lives, lives within us? How do we live based on the salvation that we received from Jesus Christ who died and gave himself for us? How do we live? How do we act in, rela- in relation to whose we are and where we'll spend eternity? And in a minute when we get over to 1 Tim- Tim- Timothy, he's going to add a very another, another very important element to this. Verse 5, therefore it is necessary to be in, in subjection not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Now, this next one's hard to get. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Whether they know it or not. And I wish they would act like they know that sometimes. From my perspective, Right? But whether they know it or not, it says here that they are devoting themselves to this thing because they are servants of God. So is that for their per, per perspective that Paul is giving this? Is it the, from, for the perspective of those that God has placed in places of governmental authority? No. This is for our perspective. This is for us. This is the way that we're able to live in whatever situation we find, find ourselves in. Render to all who, to all what is due them. Tax to whom ta- taxes due. Custom to who custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Now, Paul uses these four specific things because these were issues they had to deal with. We deal with some, some of the same ones. This tax, your, your version may say, may say tri- tribute. This is a tax that was 
a personal tax. This is if there's five of you in your household, five of you could 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 be taxed. If there were ten, ten of you in the household, ten of you could be taxed. Also, the property tax, which we all recognize that, right? We all we all know about that. We got our notices last month, right? About what it might be. Okay, so we, we, we know about that. Well, they were going through the same thing. They had property taxes they were being levied, but also personal ta- taxes. Um, custom to who cut custom. This was a tax that we also are, are aware of. You who have the little blue and, and gold sticker with a T in the middle of it on your wind, windshields, every time you go to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you get on one of those toll, toll, those toll roads, they had the same kind of tax back then. They just didn't have the little thingies. They had to pay the tax when they got on the road, and they paid the tax when they got off the road. They had to deal with those same things that we have to deal, deal with here. Also, the, another aspect of the, cu- the custom, if you own a, bi- a business that you have inventories, and those inventories are taxed at the end of the year, they did too. Men who owned, women who owned bi- businesses of any kind, and they had in inventory and products, they were taxed on their in, in their in inventories. It says fear to whom fear. This is not reverential fear as to God. This is the fear back up in verse um, four. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. And and that's what Paul Paul Paul, Paul is saying. He's saying render to all what is due them. Fear to whom fear. If you Play out on the edge. If you break the laws, then you need to be fear, fear, fearful because you will be fearful because of the consequences of it. And honor to whom honor. And we'll talk about that word a little bit, bit, bit more in, in a minute. It is interesting that he says, render to all what is due them, taxes, other taxes, being afraid, and honor. And then the next verse he says, but don't owe anybody anything but to love people. Isn't that interesting? Okay, let's move on to First Peter, if you would. First Peter chapter 2. We'll take just a minute to read these verses and see if Peter adds. He adds a couple of things to what we want to view this morning. Again, Peter wrote this letter about seven years after Paul wrote the letter to the Romans. Peter wrote this, le- le- this letter to churches that were located in five different regions of Turkey. And um, they were going through some difficult times. In his second le- letter to them, which he would write within a year or two later, um, He's getting near the end of his life, and the false teachers are getting worse and worse. But when he writes this first letter, one of the main issues is suffering. There were different kinds of suffering that these believers were going through, and we would assume one of them has to do with governmental authorities because he has these five verses. Beginning in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Submit yourselves... Now he adds a new phrase that Paul didn't have in his. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Remember, Paul put in with a good conscience. Now Peter adds this. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. 
whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors that are sent by the king to do two things. To praise those who do right and punish the evildoers. We saw that same thing in, in the Romans passage, right? That that's, that's, their, their, that's their job is to praise those who do good and to uh, punish those who break the laws, who do evil. So he says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king or to go governors sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Now, this assumes that there are a set, set of laws that they operate under, and he's incur, incur, in, encouraging them to be submissive to that authority. Verse 15, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. You know, as I thought, thought about that, I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on that, but, but I thought about one of the issues that we deal with currently in our society here in the United States is we have a lot of people that are doing foolish things and things that don't make a lot of sense, but to them it makes sense and they're given power and maybe they're given the opportunity to to, do their, to, to break the laws, make the laws, to observe the laws the way they want to, and we just don't understand how can they do that kind of stuff. Well, he says, Peter says to these believers in these areas of Turkey, he says, such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, I don't exactly know how that was going to work where, where they are, and I don't exactly know how everybody in this room doing right by the law and doing right by God's word would necessarily silence foolish men except if we live the life of one who's in subjection to governing authorities the way God says to be, and we're living our lives with the Spirit being in control of our lives, to where we are a light in a dark world, I just have a feeling somewhere in there, the people who are going off and making foolish statements, coming to foolish conclusions about what they're going to do and what they're not going to do, if a Christian comes along filled with the Spirit who's willing to subject themselves to to the government, and not get on a soapbox and talk, start talking about what all's bad. I mean, you know, we got, that, we got enough of that going on, right? So we have pe- people who have their own ideas of what ought to be going on in our, con- our country, just like I'm sure they did here. I'm sure there were people in these areas who said, this isn't right, what the government's not doing. If what the government's doing is not, is not right, we're not going to put up with it. And you say, okay, what's the solution? Well, I don't have a solution. All I know is it's wrong, you know? Well, what good does that do? Is there any peace that comes from that? I don't watch the news very often, but in preparation for today, I watched two or three network things, you know. I was amazed this last couple of weeks how many people were admitting whenever somebody would say, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. And the host of the show would say, and what do you think the solution is? Well, I don't know, but bang, bang, you know, bang, bang, bang. They tell us what, what all's wrong and what it's going to take to, fit, to fit, fix it, but they really, don't, don't, they really don't know. I just wonder what was going on back then here. But it says, 
For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. That might just be the opportunity when somebody's ranting about those kind of things to quietly say, yeah, but you know, that's another evidence that Satan is the God of this world. And he's, cho- cho- he's chosen these things to confuse pe- pe- people to keep them from seeing the light of God through G- Jesus Christ and what he, he, he offers. I- is it possible that that's what Peter was talking about? Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and even honor the king. And you know what that meant for, for them? By the time he wrote, wrote this, by the time he wrote that, that, that letter, Nero was going to be in power for four more years. By the time he wrote that, that, that letter, Nero was already going off his rocker. And um, a lot of strange thing, things were going on. A lot of persecution was going on. But yet Peter puts in the middle of this thing, honor the king. If we honor the king when people around us are saying bad things and dishonoring the king and not going along with what the king, king says, if, if we decide to be those who will honor the king and love the brotherhood and fear God and live that life in, in front, front of others, what might that mean? Well, let's go over to 2 Timothy now. 2 Timothy is going to show us. So Paul writes this first letter to Timothy. Timothy is in Ephesus, we believe, because of some things that Paul says at the beginning of this letter. And uh, this is about the same time that Peter's writing his his letter to those churches throughout Turkey. And isn't it interesting, now Paul has already spoken to the Roman church six or seven years ago when he wrote the letter to the Romans, which is where we are right now. But about six or seven years later, he's going to write this letter. And in, in our first Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. First of all, then I urge that entreaties, entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Okay, that's pretty general until the next phrase. For kings and for all who are in authority. Seven years before, he had written, he had given us the first seven verses of chapter 13. Seven years have gone by, and now he's writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy's going to take this letter and be encouraged by it, and then he's going to pass it on to the church there in Ephesus and wherever they have their church plants that have gone out from there. Be made on behalf, entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings, be made on behalf of all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's the reason 
there's the re reason why we would honor the king. There's the reason why we would live under the government, government authorities. This, here's the reason why we wouldn't break the law or join a group that's right on the fringe, not, basic, not really breaking the law, but kind of re rebelling against our government, against our society or whatever. Here, here's the reason. So that we may live, lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and di dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So, Mark, d d does that mean we can't be activists? Does that mean we can't speak, speak out? Does that mean we can't be involved in so social issues and, and righting social wrongs? Does that mean I can't talk about my, st my senator or I can't write him a letter or call his office and I can't send a letter to the governor or I can't send a letter to my re representative in wa Washington <clears throat> or I can't say things, I can't disagree with the pre president? No, it doesn't mean you can't do those things. But here's what it does mean. Please, if you're disposed, if, if that's the way you're wired to being an activist in some way, writing letters, making phone calls, be careful what marches you get into. Sometimes they're not really what they look, look, look like. But, you know, get, get involved. If, if, if that's the way you're wired to get involved, get involved. But do it this way. We might stick these words in here. Be as active as you want to be as long as through your activity you're able to live a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Be as active as you are inclined to be as long as through your activity you live a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and di dignity because this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our sa Savior, who if in your activity you're still living a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and di dignity, men can still be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The opposite is if in your activity, the things you write, the things you say, the, thing, thing, the things you do, people are driven away from the knowledge of the truth and they don't see anything to be saved from or saved to because of your life, then, then I say, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. But, here's, here, but, but, here, here, but here it is. Pray for them, give thanks for them, for all those that are in authority, and while doing that, lead a tranquil and quiet life with all godliness and dignity, because this is good. And this is what's acceptable in the sight of God, who desires men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So, we've seen three passages here. Next week we'll be back in Rome. In Romans, but you see why we wanted to use those three passages because Paul gave us the, the gave us the principle. Then Peter added a little nuance to it, and then Paul adds a, a, another nuance to it years late, later when he writes a letter to the, the to um, ten, 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 
to Timothy. And that is we're to be un, 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 under the authority of the, the, those that we've, those we've elected, have been appointed in, into government. And when things act a little bit haywire and are going out, going out of whack, we may write letters, we may make phone, 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 phone calls, but only after we've gone to our knees and prayed for them and thanked God for, for them to where we live out the life then that those that don't know him will see something dip, different through our lives. Okay, if you would, stand with me, please, while the musicians are coming up and we're going to sing a, a wonderful song to fin- finish our time this morning. But while they're coming up and they're getting ready, we're going to recite our verse together. Okay? Now, you can do the motions with me if you want to, or just watch me do them. It it doesn't matter uh, to me which which way way you do it. But this is Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Okay? Okay. So just repeat after me. For from him... Our source, and through him our guide, and to him our goal, are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen.